Hello everybody, how's it going? Thank you very much for checking out the podcast once again and welcome back to another episode. I'd like to thank Perry Wattis from Cauldron for hosting this episode once again. And yeah, check out his band there. Incredible. Um, yeah, so Pierre from Knuckle Dust came on this episode and yeah, a legend, a UK hardcore hero, innovator and one of the most committed people to the genre and the movement that it will ever see yeah ps speaks about the formation of knuckle dust how they proceeded forward made a name for themselves really diy heavy heavy diy based obviously in the 90s and just how the band really proceeded and took hardcore by the reins and just lived for the genre he also speaks about you know his other musical projects the label he runs and yeah just a fantastic guy who cares so much and always has done and always will so yeah big thank you to him once again for coming on thank you so much for checking out this episode stay safe stay positive and yeah keep it real thank you how you doing mate you're right yeah 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 i'm good i'm good how's your sunday afternoon yeah quite relaxing <laughs> yeah my weekend off so yeah yes, i don't have to worry about work or nothing today yeah i think tomorrow <laughs> yeah talk to me about how knuckle just started and how the sort of 90s hardcore sort of went about in london yeah a long time ago now see my memory might be a bit hazy <laughs> <laughs> yeah knuckle dust was um Basically, at the time, I wanted to start a band because there wasn't much happening in the way of like the East Coast New York hardcore sound that I liked happening or, or shows um, in London. Okay. So I figured, yeah, I'll try and start a band doing that sort of vibe. So I was just um, advertising with um, little flyers that I printed up in record shops, them up on the record shops. And um, luckily, one of the boys in Knuckle Dust, Weimar, he was in that record shop, took the flyer down and gave me a call. Oh, sick. So I ended up meeting up with those guys who were basically, they, they kind of went to school together and learned how to play their instruments together. So they already were a tight unit. And um, yeah, I just jumped in with them guys and things kind of clicked. So yeah, we just continued making some noise with that. So when you first um, started as Knuckle Dust, was there already a scene or do you think that you know, the start of Knuckle Dust was sort of the start of that sort of London scene down there? Well, there was always a scene. I mean, hardcore existed long before us, but um, at the time when we were coming out, it was a bit quiet for, like I said, that style that we were more, like, interested in, the mixture of the New York hardcore style. And, um, yeah, obviously, we we, paint, we we obviously got a lot of respect for our roots here, like the punk and um, the old school hardcore stuff and anarcho hardcore stuff, you know, from before our era. That that inspires Knuckles as much as the New York hardcore stuff, you get me? Yeah, yeah, of course. But, um, yeah, we just bring in different influences, I guess, and different eras produce them. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, because obviously, if you, spoke to, you speak to like most people that are outside of the UK, they sort of, you know... Knuckle Dust is the hardcore band of sort of the UK. It's the one that's well known. It's the one that's probably been going for such a long time now as well. Um, so obviously with Knuckle Dust starting out and there being like some sort of scene around Knuckle Dust, how did Bund Them Out sort of start? Bund Them Out kind of followed on because um, soon after Knuckle Dust started, I started this other band called Beatdown Fury, which oh. is a more of a metalcore sounding thing. Yeah. And at the time, the hardcore scene was just starting to grow in the, in London, in the in the UK with our generation, and uh, the club hardcore scene, the club kids scene, which which was like a in a new metal era, 
were getting into a lot of the hardcore bands as well at the same time. So in their nightclubs, they'd play like a little half an hour of hardcore songs and stuff. Oh, sir. So a lot of them kids were getting into that vibe. And um, that band, Beatdown Fury, was basically made up of half hardcore kids and half club kids. Oh, and man. we brought those two elements together in a way. And a lot of our friends and followers come from both sides. And um, so I always got the taste for doing two bands, one more metally, because I always grew up listening to that sort of style of stuff as well. Okay. And um, when they stopped, um, when they broke up, obviously it was natural to just continue with Bund Them Out being the more metalcore sounding band. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was just um, just mates of ours, young kids at the time that just wanted to start a band and we just all got together and made some noise. Like nothing serious, to be honest. A lot of them tracks were put on someone yesterday. Um, I just went into the studio and just made a lot of the stuff up on the spot and, you know what I mean, just built it like that with the first two CDs. Fair play, mate. Not many people can do that. So fair play. Not many people can. Nah, do that. it's just but, fun. It's a fun project for me. You know what I mean? It's never been any pressure involved. Just trying different things, doing like whatever we want, really. Hence the mix of Spanish and English vocals. Yeah, that's cool. With like a Jamaican slang a name for the band. You know what I mean? And then obviously we bring that influence in as well, being from London. So that's nah, cool. Yeah, we just like to mix it up. So what's sort of the differences between Knuckle Dust and Bundamart then? So what's the sort of, is there different writing processes and stuff between the two? Is one sort of more serious than the other? And, you know. No, not all. I mean, I, I, I treat every bit of music that I get with the same seriousness. If it's one of my bands or if it's a, a band that's sending me something to do a guest spot on, you know, I mean, I respect the musicians that create that music because I can't do it. And then... If they're like happy enough for me to spit over it, then yeah, I feel really like honored and blessed. So you know, what I mean, I was poor the same amount into every song I get. Amazing. Um, yeah, obviously with Knock at Us, there's a specific kind of style to that band, and yeah. we like to keep to that formula because yeah, it's fun for us and it's what we do, isn't it? Yeah. Don't need to tweak, change it or nothing. So yeah, we just carry on with our, our thing, but bond them out. I can do whatever I want on there. Two vocalists if we want, or you know, guest vocals whenever we want. Whatever, you know, I mean, Spanish, English, whatever. I just try anything, you know, singing in different ways as well, especially kind of lends itself to that. Amazing. So what, how, like, like I said, going back to what I said before about how, you know, you guys are like the known hardcore band in the UK. If someone said, you know, what's a UK hardcore band, you know, Knuckle Dust will probably be the first. So in terms of like yourselves, when you're playing outside of the UK and you play maybe Europe or the States and stuff, how does that feel? sort of being that kind of band in the UK and going over to, you know, the States, for example? Hey, you know what? Because of the, the era that we kind of came up in was very inspired by the European hardcore scene with bands like the H8000 scene yeah. and, yeah. like, especially Belgium. They had so many great scenes and bands in that, in that area, you know what I mean? Between the capital and loads of um, other towns in that country, small country. And obviously Germany having a big metalcore scene as well and bands like Archangel and Length of Time, you know, the big names that they were over here all the time. So we would always end up playing all these shows as well, being like the one of the only hardcore bands from London at the time and making these contacts with these kids from all over the world all the time. Like there was festivals every month, you know what I mean? And we're going back and forth there. So we've always had like a strong connection with the people out in the mainland, especially in France, Belgium, Germany, Holland, um, and France. Yeah, big, big, big um, place for us for support. But yeah, because of that era, we used to help a lot of the bands that were coming over and vice versa. 
then that, that connection is still strong now. So right. whenever we go over there, it's just the same as like going to see your mates around the corner sort of thing, you know what I mean? Do his family work and go now. So we feel quite blessed to be like that. You know, because I know it can be difficult if you don't know anyone going to new places and, and making contacts. Sometimes the language barrier and stuff. So, you know what I mean? I, I appreciate that. That's cool. A, a great deal. So what about the, the States then? Because I know you've got a few connections, obviously, over that way as well. Yeah, we've got a lot of family in America, but um, it's just the cost of flying, to be honest. Yeah. You know, it's um, for four people to fly over there. We've done it a, a few times in the past, but yeah, always lose a lot of money in right now. <laughs> yeah. No one can afford to lose no money, you know what I mean? That's for sure. So, but yeah, we'd love to go out there, to be honest. I've never been to the West Coast, so that's a dream for me to play out that side. Um, yeah, travel around a bit more because generally we'll be playing the East Coast and obviously home from home, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. Cool. Amazing. So talk to me a little bit about sort of UK hardcore history then. Where did it all sort of start for you? How did you sort of get involved with it all? Growing up as a kid then, I was um, always attracted to more like electric guitar music, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whether it be like rock or whatever. So I'd listen to a lot of that sort of style of music amongst other stuff. But um, yeah, eventually I come across some hardcore music and um, just lyrically, musically, and like you could feel like the, the, the passion in it sort of thing, you know, through the, through the raw recordings back then. It just, yeah, it was my thing straight away. It just made more sense to me than the silly cock rock lyrics and, you know <laughs> what I mean, flashy um, glam clothes and shit, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's more like 100%. looking in the mirror sort of thing when you see like, photos of the bands or whatever so yeah that thing from young I got attracted to that and just delving deep and deep into it checking the, the thanks lists of CDs and hunting records sending money in envelopes overseas to try and get CDs back without someone feeling the money from the envelope and <laughs> madness but yeah we used to get enough CDs and um, I was tape trading as well at the time with a lot of people in the UK Okay. So my my collection of music was going really fast, and um, I was just getting educated in lots of stuff from young. And um, yeah, then meeting a knock at us boys and finding other people that were into the same sort of um, like type of music and whatnot. Then obviously trading with them and showing them, introducing them to a lot of music. Then that kind of helped pay how knock at us sound came out as well. I think because. We definitely all had the same sort of, um, we're into the same sort of generation of parkour. Yeah. That, um, you know what I mean? Inspired us to start the band. And yeah, we just did it our way, basically. We like to try and put a UK London stamp on it, innit? Yeah, for sure. Sick. So, uh, going back to sort of Knuckle Dust then, what are the kind of influences? Like, what made you want to be in Knuckle Dust? What sort of bands and artists made you want to start that sort of aggressive, aggressive kind of band? From young, I guess the biggest influences were the ones we could actually see because back then before the internet, you ain't getting no exposure except for like maybe the, the, the copy tape or if you're lucky, a CD. And, and then obviously Headbangers Ball back then started putting on some music videos. So the first bands we'd be exposed to like that visually um, would be bands like Madball, Biohazard, Sick of It All, you know, the early Roadrunner bands that were coming out, Life of Agony, because they were starting to do their music videos and stuff and we could actually see it as well as hear it. So yeah, sick. I guess those bands were, were, were very um, instrumental in us continuing in this path that we, you know, were inspired by. 
Sick. Um, yeah, there were the bands that were coming over first to UK to play, obviously, being on Roadrunner to get the back in. Yeah. Um, and they'd be putting on bands, supporting them, local bands. We'd be getting on there sometimes as well. So that helped build the scene here, you know what I mean? Yeah. On all levels. So you have to give respect to that. Cool. So um, talk to me a little bit about Ruction. Did Ruction sort of start around the same time as Knuckledust? Or was that something that, you know, you being in Knuckledust, you just thought you want to bring, you know, you want to, like you was talking about earlier, about a London stamp. Is that where Ruction came into it kind of thing? Um, yeah, basically, when Knuckledust first started, um, obviously, we didn't know many people and there wasn't much of a scene sort of thing. But some of the first people we met with, and showed love for the band were the kids that ended up starting Nine Bar, a band oh. from the South London. Yeah. So from early, we had a connection with these kids. And um, yeah, then they, eventually they started Nine Bar and then we would just play together a lot. And um, between all of us in Nakodos and Nine Bar, we wanted to put out our own records because at the time there weren't really much option <laughs> of anyone offering to put it out. <laughs> and um, yeah, we thought, fuck it, we do it ourselves. So we did it through um, a label called Black Up Records and um, put out the Area Effect Knockadust Split 7 inch. Okay. So we did that and a few other demo tapes, I think. And then um, eventually um, I decided to get Poppy involved, who's a um, French guy from Marseille. He was living and studying in London at the time. And he was running his own distro called Special Brew Distro. So he had some... Uh, like experience running distros. So I figured we'll bring him on board. We'll start it under the banner Ruction Records. But it, it kind of just naturally grew from Black Up Records, if you get my meaning. Yeah. But the Ruction tag kind of fit a bit better because, um, yeah, Black Up Records, we figured is a bit close to the ties that the guys had with graffiti scene and stuff. Okay. So we thought kind of like, yeah, just start it with Ruction, which the meaning really, yeah, it kind of fits the whole thing, to be honest. Cool. And uh, yeah, since then we just started putting out our, our mates' bands, and obviously it, in London being such an inbred scene, <laughs> lots of members are in each other's bands. Uh, more releases got offered to us by our friends and other people's bands that we're in and whatnot. So uh, Ruction kind of rolled on like that over the years, and still does now, to be honest. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's been going for a long time now, hasn't it? And it's still sort of growing, and you know. It really does put that stamp on sort of London. Um, so with how, yeah. uh, you know, the UKHC used to be back in the day, um, how do you feel it is now? Like, what do you think the difference is between sort of now and back then and back in the day? Do you think it's grown? Do you think the community has gotten obviously a lot bigger? Yeah, it's definitely grown like a yeah. hundredfold. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it seems like there's different scenes as well that make, make up the whole thing now. They're all quite equally strong. And I kind of remember something like that in the past because when we first started, it was always our little corner. And then you had like the metal scene and the punk scene and the oi scene. And we'd all kind of each, we'd have a band from each of those scenes all playing together all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually each little scene kind of started growing stronger in their own right. And obviously playing more amongst themselves sort of thing. So things kind of spread out like that. And I can see the same thing happening now within a half full scene with different corners all get stronger and more people putting more effort and more support into certain um, projects and stuff. And yeah, I think it's definitely a positive thing. Yeah. 100%. More action out there and it doesn't seem to be that much negativity, although, you know, sometimes it's unavoidable when so many people are involved and a lot of 
you know, attitudes might clash and whatever, but no, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty proud to be a part of it all, or, you know what I mean? Even one little corner of it. So, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So, be a lot of positivity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, talk to me a little bit about I'll Be You, because I know that that sort of started through like graffiti and things, didn't it? So, talk to me a little bit about that. So, I know people that listen might want to know what it's all about, you know, what it stands for, what, you know, talk to me a little bit about it. Yeah, LB was kind of the tag that was put on us when we were younger, man. Because um, when I was saying when Nakodas and Ninebar first got together, and um, there was a band from West London called Seventeen Stitches as well, okay. or like um, more of a they had more of a punky hardcore edge sort of thing. But um, yeah, when when us lot used to get together, which was a lot of the time, because they had the punk influence, we had the Nakodas being more hardcore but a bit punk sort of thing, and then Ninebar wherever we we went, they would go. We'd be playing a lot of punk festivals and that. So yeah, we'd get together and we'd just be like partying in it. After we play, everyone's just having a good time. So they used to call us oh, the London Black Up. It's the London Black Up. They turn up, they just get black up and out, you know what I mean? <laughs> and um, so we, we kind of adopted that. And a lot of the guys back then, they're into the arts and whatnot. And um, yeah, used to use that a lot. And yeah, it's something that's stuck over the years. So no. Loyal Brave Underdogs, London Black Up. <laughs> yeah, it's still going London, now, isn't it? London Blessed Us. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the sort of graffiti element to that? Is that the guys that were sort of artists at the time and then it just sort of stuck with you guys being in Knuckle Dust and it, then it sort of flown with the sort yeah, of... Yeah, it kind of grew out the hardcore thing first. Oh, okay. That was the originator of it. The hardcore music, hardcore scene. But, um, yeah... Just grew from that, really. Now there's a lot of bands involved in it. No, it's just a yeah, family of musicians, to be honest. Cool, it's cool. So um, I know last year you started up a new band called Borstal. That's right. Yeah. Just talk to me a little bit about that. Where the influences and stuff come from for that, and what made you want to start another band? Talk to me a little bit about it. Fucking lockdown boredom. That's what. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Now, as, um, some some boys that I've known for a long time, um, they asked me if I wanted to sing in the, this band they got going, like it's more of a straight-up hardcore thing, whereas in the past they've done grind metal and more extreme-sounding music. Mm-hmm. But they've always been into hardcore because they always come to the 12-bar shows, they know all eruption bands and whatnot. So I was like, yeah, all right, I'll give it a try, you know. I've got nothing nothing much going on at the moment. So this was last summer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just wrote like five songs with them. Soon after one rehearsal, we're in the studio recording. So we just banged them straight out. Um, we're happy about how it come out. We've released one song so far with a video um, and launched the pre-orders for the record. So it should be out in yeah less than four weeks, I think. Sick. Amazing. And um, yeah, it's more of a straight up hardcore approach. Um, got uh, Nick Barker doing the drums. Um I won't be I won't be wearing any corpse paint or nothing. <laughs> so don't have to worry about that. So, but uh, yeah, it's definitely got a London vibe. The, the first song we released got like a bit of a Spanish sort of um, flex to it. Um, got some anthems to come. So yeah, I think people will like it. They like the first song. Yeah, they definitely like the rest of it. You know what I mean? Because yeah, the rest I think is even better. <laughs> that's sick. So is that sort of your main plan for sort of 2021 then, or do you have? Sort of plans for Knuckle Dust and uh, Bundamart as well, or is it yeah. Quiet? I mean, 
with Bandama, I asked him to start writing a full length now. Okay. Because um, well, well, the plan was do the Borstal thing, get that recorded and released and done, and that's more or less ready to go anyway. So that I don't have to do anything on that at the moment. So at present, I'm doing a Knock With Us mini CD for the 25th anniversary this year. Oh, amazing. Uh, I've got five songs for that. Just got to finish off two more and then we're in the studio next month. But um, then in the meantime, I've asked the Bundam Out guys to write the album. So we're going to do about 10, 11 songs or maybe eight songs because we've got like a three, three unreleased at the moment. Okay. Sitting there. So if we write another eight songs, that should be all right. So after the Knock Us is recorded, I'll get started on that. Hopefully bang that out soon after. Amazing. So after, fingers crossed, obviously the lockdown obviously goes away. Um, do you guys have plans on like touring any of it or, you know? Yeah, that's it. That's all up in the air, isn't it? That's all we're waiting for is the green light to be able to play some shows over his home, home, home and away. Yeah, 100%. Uh, at the moment, I've never been so long about playing a show. Yeah, it's, um, it feels a bit weird, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a bit mad. So, yeah, we've got the um, 25th anniversary show coming up in July. So, hopefully, by then, we'll be able to have some sort of a show. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, well, there's a lot of people getting vaccinated and stuff now. So, you know, fingers crossed. Mm. It's looking a bit more positive than it was anyway. Well, that's it, yeah. So, obviously, you talked a bit about Borstal. Um, so, obviously, during the lockdown last year, um, was there anything else you got up to? Or was it solely just Borstal? Um, yeah, done a few bits here and there, like um, guest spots for some uh, younger bands. Um, but besides that, no, not really that much. I mean, working. I've, I've been fortunate enough to be working all the way through this thing. So, that yeah. still takes up most of my time. And then, obviously, the kids... So, besides that, no, I don't really have much more time for anything else. Yeah, fair enough. So, um, what about Ruxin? Then the Ruxin have much plans for sort of twenty twenty one. Do you have any many releases going on? Or? Uh, we just released the Street Soldier CD. Yeah. Yeah, of course. A couple of weeks ago, um, and that's doing really well. So, happy with that. It's good to be working with these kids from up north. Um, yeah always had that strong connection like first ruction release was uh, with area effect a band from manchester straight edge band from manchester okay yeah uh, now we've got this band street soldier from um yorkshire so yeah man it's a strong scene up north i can see that yeah probably even stronger than it is down south i feel yeah, you know, definitely the, the real like real edge of like hardcore uk hardcore and stuff so yeah definitely places like leeds and manchester mm-hmm. like popping up bands at the moment Cool. Yeah, great band, great bands popping up all over the country, man. So, yeah, we're lucky. So, yeah, we just put that out. Um, the next release is going to be the Borstal CD, I think. Okay. Yeah, that's probably going to come out next. Um, followed by the Easy Money Bundam Out Split Seven Inch, which should have been out about a year ago. Oh, amazing! That sounds good. It's definitely coming. Yeah, so, really yeah. excited for that. Okay, so tell me some sort of interesting stories then, because obviously you guys have, you know, seen the thick of it with UK Hardcore. So give us a few interesting maybe tour stories or show stories. In some crazy places, I guess, playing <laughs> this sort of music, then you get to go to some of the poorest places in the world. Some, yeah. You know what I mean? Because Hardcore ain't always in clubs. or can't afford to get in clubs all over the world, you know, so. Yeah, 100%. We're having blessed to take our message and our music to these places and play for the real people out there. So 
but yeah, as you can imagine, some of these places are, it can be quite quite hairy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's obviously lots of old war stories and vans blowing up and what driving down motorways in Germany and then there's police chase of a car and police coming towards you on the wrong side of the road. And <laughs> crazy shit like this. Um, <laughs> How does the van explode? Uh, the, um, it had an oil leak and we weren't, we didn't, we, we didn't keep an eye on how much the levels of oil were in it. So eventually the thing just packed up and then like, um, it stopped on the side of the, of the motorway. So we all jumped out to have a look. And um, Weymar and Nikki are under the bonnet and that. And for some strange reason, Ray decides to turn the ignition. And he turns <laughs> the ignition there, yeah, and it, the whole engine blows up in their face. Oh. And literally, a hole the size of Weymar that he could put his foot in this hole in the engine blows out in their face. And luckily, none of the metal catch them in the face. It was, it was pretty, <laughs> pretty fucking, yeah, pretty brutal. Wow. So, <laughs> talk to me about the first time you went to the States and stuff. Obviously, you like you said, you you're obviously influenced by like Madball and Super of it all. And I know obviously you guys would have played with them. So talk to me a little bit about sort of the first time going to the States and playing with sort of these kind of bands. The first time I'm pretty sure the first time we actually played there was in well, we had a show booked and then something happened and they switched to this place in Brooklyn. Yeah, it was this little bar in Brooklyn. Uh, but I mean, check check out the lineup. The lineup was just insane for us, you know what I mean? But these man's all from over there. But um, it was irate. Um, no redeeming social value, I think, played. Um, everybody gets hurt. Um, out to win. Um, oh, fucking hell, who else was that's, on that's it? nuts. I, I think Billy, was it Billy Club? Did they play it? Oh. Oh, sick. That just sounds like chaos. But yeah, it was just a mad like show. But most of the people there were just people in the band sort of thing. It weren't really like that busy or nothing for like people that weren't in bands. But still, it was a mad show in it to see all those bands together. So uh, yeah, that was pretty unforgettable. Yeah, it was a good time. But um, yeah, we haven't played much. We played uh, this is Harcourt for Joe Harcourt. Oh yes, yeah. that's a big festival, man. Been on thinking about going in Cannes and they should try and visit that one yeah I've seen, I've seen tons of footage how did uh, sort yeah. of Knuckle just go down at sort of a festival like that um, obviously there's so many big names in that we're like a small fish in that pond so yeah it's a big it's way a, big a long way to well, go yeah. yeah it's a big venue as well but uh, yeah no, people showed love we got a lot of support there from our family and that so no, it was good. Definitely worth going. We had a good time. Good weekend. Cool. Um, another one as well, Tsunami Fest, that they do in um, Redding, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah, that's I've a heard of that one. Mm, they do good festivals down there. That's another one worth visiting. We played there as well recently. Well, more recent, I should say. Probably in the last 10 years. <laughs> and who was that with? Who was on the lineup? Oh, man. Everyone again. Um who played Wisdom in Chains must have played oh, sick. Uh, I was just trying to think about to win played that one but yeah enough bands god yeah it's like a dream come true isn't it wow amazing I've never heard of that festival before is that still going is that oh, yeah. Tsunami yeah yeah they do it every year 
Okay, so fair enough. So um, talk to me a little bit about what you listen to at the moment then. So obviously you need to be sort of listening to what's coming out, obviously running Ruxham. So what you sort of influence, what you sort of listen to at the moment, sorry. I've been listening to, I don't know, this past week I just got um, looking into more 2000s dancehall, year 2000 era. Wow. That dancehall like vibe and that. Because that's the shit that I grew up on anyway, but okay. I haven't been listening to it recently. And now, you know, when you get into that, Oh yeah, shit! I forgot about that tune. Oh yeah, and that tune, and that tune. <laughs> that era makes you think when you're when you're like first listening to those tunes, discovering them tunes. So yeah, this past week I just been listening to two thousands dancehall. <laughs> Solid at work. I yeah, I can't really listen to heavy music at work because when I'm driving, it makes me a bit aggressive when I drive, and I find you know what I mean, or a bit too excited. You know, <laughs> you get overexcited. So, like, it's best if I don't listen to heavy music when I drive. Yeah. Amazing, yeah, professional. Amazing. <laughs> so what are some of your favourite bands hardcore-wise then? Obviously, I know you mentioned uh, sort of Sick of It All and Madball and stuff. So what, say, Europe-wise, what are some of your favourite bands in mainland Europe? Oh, without a doubt. I love um, Serge Fury from Belgium. Sick, yeah. Just that, everything about that band, you know what I mean? The music they create has just got that groove, got that hardness, you know what I mean? It's just rough, rugged. And the vocalist, man, his flows and style has always been consistently hard and I just like, like his flows, man. I think that, yeah, he's wicked. He's got his, his own style, you know what I mean? Tito kills it. So, yeah, I'm, I've always loved Sergio Fury. And the first day I met them guys, I didn't even know who they were at the time, but I was just um, at a show on my own, bumped into them in Belgium and, yeah, they were just chatting for ages, you know what I mean? Got, got to make nice friends out of them yeah. and their crew. And since then, we just always connected, man. And through the years playing shows together and stuff obviously they it, we put them out on Ruction a couple of CDs out put, put them on Ruction as well in the past so cool. always happy to be working with the family amazing so what, what about states why is you got any sort of current hardcore bands that you got, you're sort of into in the states hmm. what have I listened to um don't think anything new to be honest. So, what are some of your favorite places to play? Obviously, it talks about Europe and the States. Are those? Would you rather be like? Are you like born and bred London, so you just prefer playing in London, or is there sort of more places that you prefer to play other than London? Yeah, I play anywhere. At the end of the day, yeah, I'm happy to get out of the house. You know what I mean? And go <laughs> somewhere new, and you know, explore a new place, meet some people. Communicate, release the stress of my chest on stage. So yeah, uh, literally, I don't care. You, you just tell me where to be in the morning to get in a car to take me somewhere. I don't care where we're going. Is there is there a specific place that you want to play? So is there a specific country, maybe or venue that you guys really really want to play? Oh yeah, definitely. I'd love to play in South America without a doubt. Um, Obviously, being um, Peruvian, so yeah, I'd like to get out there play for some um, of the Latin-speaking countries, whether it be Mexico, Puerto Rico, Sick. anywhere in South America, Brazil. Yeah, I'd like to see, see that part of the world a lot more, meet the people on the ground level. Mm, that'd be a dream. Amazing. So, last question then. I won't keep it for too long. Um, it's kind of a question that we ask like everybody. If you could go back in time and go to any show, wherever it was, 
whoever the lineup was, where would it be and why? You know what? It has to be that legendary time um, that we only ever saw on TV was the um, the Dynamo Festival. Okay. You know, the one where, where um, Madball was playing? Mm. Yeah. And yeah, that era where Dynamo Festival was just massive. Imagine being at that fucking festival as well. But yeah, yeah that was a legendary set as well. Because that, well, that was, again, one of the first times we get to see a band like Madball performing live on video because yeah. there was no internet video streaming shit back then. Sure. And um, yeah, that obviously was a big ins- inspiration to us as well. So, so yeah, wouldn't have minded opening up for them in that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, mate, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, thanks for your time in that. Um, Actually, so I just wanted to say something. Um, your first question you you mentioned about um, why people always comment on us being like. Um, Oh, yeah. hardcore band, UK hardcore band or whatever but you know when we first started it, I think the key factor was the communication because I was writing a lot of letters to a lot of people and inspiring people to connect with other people yeah. making contact you know what I mean uh-huh. um, but it's down to each and every one of these people that were actually making the effort to pick up a pen and write on paper and put a stamp on the envelope to send that letter to someone else because there was no emails back then and that so this network was built over time and with a lot of effort from all the people involved in that and um, yeah, just because um, I was lucky to be a guy from London and obviously all bands pass through London so I can make contacts and then I would just spread those contacts with each other so they can help each other rather than me being a middleman all the time, you know what I mean? So people would naturally get their own shows and do their own things together with other people. So um, that's probably why a lot of people talk about us as it, like the first port of call sort of thing because, yeah. It's kind of know, mad to can... think sometimes because I mean like... Um, Obviously, I've been in bands and stuff, so it's like, I don't know how we would have actually done it without things like the internet. So, you know, with you guys and Knuckledust, how you guys did it is just, you know, it's incredible because you had no internet. You had, you know, like you said, you you had to get CDs to listen to bands. You couldn't just go on YouTube or anything to listen to these bands, which is crazy. Yeah, it's a struggle in the times. Not like today, you can just, you know, within a couple of hours of surfing on the net, you could learn the whole history of a whole genre, you know what I mean? Know every bit of major bit of information and stuff there. Exactly. Like then, yeah, we had to learn as best we could and, you know. You had to literally build that sort of contact list from the ground up without even, you know, like you said, sending an email or writing a letter to people. That's how you had to make your contacts. As with now, it's you find the person, you add them on social media and that's it. That's that kind of thing. Crazy. Yeah, it's a lot easier nowadays. And yeah, I bet it is. that too, mate, because, boy, back in the days, the phone bill used to get quite <laughs> quite high, yeah, especially sure. when you're living at home with your folks, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, why's the phone bill so high? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you be calling America. <laughs> you know what I mean? You be getting that in your ear. That's Not it. anymore. You lucky boys and girls are your internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Nah, for putting sure. Stamp, putting soap, soap on the stamps so you could reuse the stamps and shit like that. <laughs> mental what were you thinking about that's crazy now i mean you know like i say knuckledust a lot of people have you know stuff that owes to knuckledust really because i feel like anyway they started this sort of scene in the uk because you know my history is not great with this kind of thing but i know sort of looking back on it uk hardcore history does sort of almost start with you guys and london obviously i know it comes from punk and whatnot the real sort of UK hardcore bands are sort of you guys. So I thought we got a lot to owe. What? We're 
Well, thank you for your kind words. Um, yeah, like I said, we feel blessed to be still doing it and in the position we are because, yeah, we do um, appreciate all the respect that we're shown from the younger generation more than anyone because obviously the older generation, they know us, you know what I mean? Yeah, us, I hate us, and, you know, we ain't, if we ain't gone by now, then we ain't going ever, you know what I'm saying? So no, they will keep that. But no, it's great. coming through, you know what I mean? We appreciate their love as well, so. Yeah, that's another thing. It's cool to see you guys still going as well because, you know, 25 years, some bands don't last it past five years kind of thing. So it's for you guys to have started in that sort of era where there was no sort of social media and stuff and still we're going strong today. People got a lot to learn from it, really. Pass on the knowledge best we can. Yes. You know, like, like with the eruption thing, you know. Yeah, 100%. Teaching bands, what we used to say was we're helping bands to help themselves. Yeah. So, yeah, Ruxin's yeah. obviously, again, Ruxin has helped a lot of bands and a lot of scenes. Because it's just, it, sometimes it's, it's little things that just like influence, you know. There might be a band up in Scotland, maybe a band up in Leeds that listen to some of the Ruxin stuff and just like, yeah, we want to do this. You know, just yeah, it's fun. I mean, yeah, doing bands is fun and that's the main reason to do it. If it isn't your main reason to do it, then just allow it, you know what I mean? If you ain't going to put your, have fun and put yourself into something as best you can, then why bother? Yeah, 100%. Then, so, nah, I agree. No, thanks for your time anyway, mate. It's been a sort of pleasure talking to you. Likewise, thank yeah. you. Thanks for the um, um, invitation to come do this. Nah, it's not cool. something I do very often, so... But <laughs> nah, me neither. I've got, got something positive out of it. <laughs> yeah, nah, me neither. Hopefully, you know, the pandemic sort of dies down and we, you know, I can make it to that 25th anniversary show. So, yeah, that'd be cool, man. No, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you very much for your time. All right, you take care. And you, brother. See you later. Blessings, blessings. Bye, man.